What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we continue our series on penitence. We are exploring the process of repentance, forgiveness, and ultimately offering grace to one another. We spent the first week looking at what repentance means, about turning away from our sins so we can live a life that looks like the one Jesus lived. Then last week we went into, we asked, when should we forgive someone? Do they have to repent? Do they have to do anything before we forgive them? And though the answer is not always clear, what is clear is that we are called to share God's love with this world, that our actions ought to reflect the character and witness of Jesus Christ. So now we come back to a really tough question we left hanging from last week. Does forgiveness mean we let people get away with their sin? Is it really okay to just let people walk all over you in the name of forgiveness? Brian is going to read for us from uh, the, the book of Galatians. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul where he is trying to persuade his readers as to what it really means to be the people of God. Some have gone astray, so Paul is describing what it means and what it looks like to bring these people back into the fold. How do we help those who have harmed us? How do we forgive the right way? Let's have our scripture now from the epistle to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit, should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time, if we do not give up. So then, Whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. And from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, A scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Help us to see the way forward, even in the most difficult situations. Give us wisdom to grow even when others sin against us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It can be pretty tough to navigate our world these days. The unwritten rules of society can be pretty complicated, and on top of it, they keep changing. What was okay 10 and maybe 20 years ago is no longer okay today, and what is okay today will inevitably change years from now. 
But all that pales in comparison to what happens when our brains simply stop working with our mouths. We want to say one thing, but something entirely different comes out. Ever have someone wish you a happy birthday and your response to them was, you too? Or, or maybe the sun is starting to go down and you greet someone with a cheery, good morning. Uh, that one actually happens a lot here at church around Christmas Eve, right? Uh, we know it's nighttime, but we always say good morning at church, so we say the wrong thing to each other. Now here's a few more ridiculous moments where the mouth does not cooperate. A man named Neil had just printed something on the wrong kind of paper at the office and had to answer the phone where he promptly said, Good afternoon, yellow paper, and immediately hung up in shock and embarrassment. Another one is of a friend at a restaurant who wanted a packet of smoky bacon crisps, but actually asked the server for a smacket of pokey bacon. Close, yet so far away. Uh, my favorite is actually from my wife. Years ago, she was out on a walk with our son, who was just an infant at the time. As she crossed the street by the local school, the crossing guard commented on our son's lovely long eyelashes. She started out with, you should see my husband's eyelashes. They're so long. But then she struggled to come up with an appropriate comparison with some kind of exaggeration in it. What she ended up saying finally was anything but appropriate. She said, you should see my husband's eyelashes. They're so long, he uses them to pet his friends. She laughed at herself the whole rest of the way home, and when she saw me, she struggled to tell me the story through tears of laughter. Now, to make sure the record is straight, I'll have you know I have never once pet anyone with my eyelashes. But I know my wife, Emily, is not alone in saying something that just doesn't make any sense. It happens to all of us. But sometimes the things we say don't just not make sense. Sometimes they actively harm others. And when you harm someone, especially marginalized groups, you may find yourself being canceled. Being canceled is part of what's known these days as cancel culture, uh, where, where support for an individual or company is removed because of something they've said or done that's considered unacceptable. There are a bunch of celebrities and companies I could list that have been canceled in the last few years, and there very well may be something noble about speaking truth to power through cancel culture. But I'd like for us to think for a moment about, about this through the lens of the people around us. What happens when we try and cancel each other? Our young people follow our example and try and cancel their classmates. The New York Times recently compiled a list of stories from young people in school that were a part of cancel culture. One involved a teacher who left the room and a student started playing a song, loudly singing the lyrics. The other students said they were offended by the misogyny and violence in the lyrics, but his reply was, it's just a song. The worst part, they were in a class about social justice and had just been talking about morality and the common good. The other students decided to cancel this young person, ignoring him in the hallways and never listening to anything he would say because he wouldn't change his mind on that day. The stories of students canceling each other play out like this over and over. One person does something the other perceives as wrong, are called to account for their actions, and when they don't immediately agree, they are canceled. Now, this is nothing new. 
In another day and age, we would have called this behavior shunning, and people would have pointed to the Bible as to how and why we should do this to a person. But we have to wonder, are we getting this right? Is canceling each other and ignoring each other the way to handle situations where people won't repent? Well, the Apostle Paul, he certainly has something to share on this topic. After walking the Galatians through his personal testimony, he explains the difference between the law and faith. He says, those who rely on the law, on living the right way as a way to get to heaven, will only get one thing, and that is a curse. That's because we can never live perfectly by the rules of the law. Inevitably, we'll all get canceled because living by the law is too hard to do. So what can we do? How can we find life? How can we live at peace with God? It only happens through faith, when we put our trust in God to cover over our sins. He explains that when we do this, trusting in God, we aren't just random people trying to avoid pain and death. We are children of God with the freedom that comes from knowing that the God of the universe loves us and desires the very best for us. God's not looking at the law for the tiniest offenses so that he can punish us. God is looking for excuses to bless us. Now that's all a precursor to the verses we read in Galatians 6. As Paul explains how we find life in God, he moves to his final point, how can we live with one another? If we are free from the law, can we just do whatever we want? And that's where we come to today's passage. He says, my friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Okay, so we can't just do whatever we want when you live by faith instead of the law. There are still transgressions, things we do to harm one another, and we have to help each other to see how we are hurting each other. But we have to do it in a spirit of gentleness. The major cultural traditions of the time from the Greeks to the Jews would say there is a wise way to correct someone, and one of the keys to doing this was to do it in a way that benefited the other person. Now, I remember years ago preaching a sermon. I was just the youth minister at the time, still in seminary, and I felt really good about the sermon I had preached. I mean, I was on fire. And after the sermon, I would comment. He said, yeah, you know, we really need to get some weights on your legs. I was thoroughly confused by this, so I asked him, what do you mean? He said, you're moving all around the stage, coming out and, and talking to us, we really got to get some weights on your legs so you just stay in the pulpit to preach. That was his takeaway. Nothing I said meant anything to him because he was too distracted by me moving all around. Now you better believe the next time I preached, I stayed in one spot. When we are wise, we are considering the best way to help someone else receive correction. I think Ken was wise in sharing his critique in a funny and gentle way that helped me to hear it. The Apostle Paul, though, he also tells us what it looks like when we don't do this. He calls it sowing in the flesh, which is another way of saying to live by the law, trying to get to heaven by being perfect. 
He's letting us know when we sow in the flesh, we don't care about these things. We don't care about the results of our words in correcting others. They aren't gentle. They'll just use what they think is right without regard for the other person. They're just following the law, and that's it. It can be so hard to correct people well. We can be so quick to imitate the culture around us, blasting someone in public or calling people out on social media. Yet Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point it out. Go go point out their fault when the two of you are alone. Correcting people has to start right there, a one-on-one conversation to get clarity on what happened and to help someone to see the error of their ways. It lets us pause and consider the situation from the other person's perspective, to hear the whole story and to do some good, important culture can miss this. It can get people piling on to someone before reflecting on the situation, before anyone's had a a spirit-led and gentle conversation to help move someone in the right direction. But correcting others in gentleness is not the only step in the process. Besides a wise response, the Apostle Paul says, we need to bear one another's burdens. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Someone else will take on our burden for us? Great, we get, we get off scot-free. Somebody else has to deal with it, right? But this one's going to take a little more work to understand. Well, Paul not only says, bear one another's burdens in verse 2, he also says in verse 5, for all must carry their own loads. Slightly different words, but they're close enough. So which is it? Do we bear one another's burdens, or does each person have to carry their own load? When Paul says, bear one another's burdens, the image is likely that of a soldier pressing someone into service. Back then, it might have been a a Roman soldier could require a person to carry their load for them on behalf of the soldier. Maybe it was a, a delivery or their armor, but the rule was, if a soldier demanded you carry something, you had to do it. Here in the United States, we have a history with this. Just before the American Revolution, the British Navy forced American sailors onto their British warships and required them to serve in their military. It was considered so bad and so outrageous that it was listed as a crime of England and was outlawed by many U.S. states. In general, people don't like to be told what to do. And forcing people into serving you seems especially vile, doesn't it? Yet here's Paul saying Christians are to bear the burden, to be pressed into service like a person ordered to carry the armor of a soldier or work on a naval ship. That can't be right, can it? I think I'm starting to prefer the second command for everyone to carry their own load. Self-sufficiency sounds better than servitude, doesn't it? And yet, And yet, Paul says, in bearing one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Jesus says that the law is not a list of behaviors of what we can and can't do. Jesus says the law is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't make this up either. He didn't pull it out of thin air. Loving your neighbor as yourself was considered the core of the Pentateuch, 
the first five books of the Bible from Moses. The verse is Leviticus 19:18, and I want you to hear it starting from one verse back. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Right there in the ancient tradition, a thousand years before Jesus, was one to correct your neighbor or be guilty of their actions yourself, and two, to not hold a grudge against them, but instead to love them. Paul is making a sneaky switch with the popular wisdom of his day to let each person carry their own burden. He's saying, yeah, carry your burden, but your burden is not just to carry your own load. Your burden is to live the way God calls you to. And you know the law of Christ. It's to gently correct others and to love them. Penitence, then, the process of repentance and forgiveness must flow from grace. It doesn't mean people get away with doing the wrong thing. It means we hold each other, not self-sufficient and free to live as we see fit. We must love and care for each other to help each other see our mistakes so we can choose a better way. We aren't responsible for another person's problems. We are responsible to God to live as God would have us live in relation to others. That is a beautiful answer to how we think about when people sin or hurt us. It's not about us. It's about God and God's kingdom here on earth. Today we have our family promise dinner for those that are homeless, and I know our volunteers are ones that get this right There are folks that showed up on Saturday to spend hours on end scrubbing and prepping potatoes. This morning, our young people are getting the utensils ready and sides for the meal. Then there are several more hours this afternoon of cooking and the crowning jewel of our ministry, the roast beef. Patricia, who heads up this meal, will tell you we are the only church all year long that provides a beef dinner. Nobody else does. Why? Well, because it's expensive. And it takes more work. But our volunteers are reminded over and over, there but by the grace of God go I. It could be me or you that needs a meal next week. What do you want? Do you want someone to take the quick, easy route? Or do you want them to do something special and thoughtful for you? That's love. That's what it means to bear one another's burdens. Pausing to reflect on what it might be like to be that person. Not judging people just because they are in a tough situation, but sitting and talking with them. Getting to know these people who are suffering. And where we can, with gentleness and wisdom, helping people to do better next time. That's sowing in the Spirit. That's persevering in doing what is right, working for the good of all. Now let me end with this. Uh, Recently there was a 61-year-old grandmother who was sliding our groceries across the self-checkout at the Woodbury Walmart. As the scanner beeped and and her total climbed, she pulled from her cart a a package of steaks. She had counted the money in her wallet, and she knew she just didn't have enough for them. The problem was she had promised her family steaks for dinner. 
This grandmother, Sarah Lindgren, made a split-second decision. She bagged the steaks without scanning them. She was walking out of the store when a Walmart employee stopped her and then called the police. Sarah was taken to a private room with her 18-year-old daughter, Danielle, who was sobbing when the officer entered. The policeman asked some questions and learned that her, her daughter was autistic and that Sarah was the head of the household with several children and grandchildren living with her. She provided for the family after her husband's death about 15 years prior. The officer wrote Sarah a citation, then returned to his car and ran a background check. That's when he realized there was absolutely nothing on her record. The officer said he himself had more speeding tickets than she did. And that's when he decided that he needed to not only forgive her, but to show her grace. After Sarah and her daughter were released from the store, they went home. About an hour later, a squad car showed up at the front door. She was actually scared at first, but it turned out the officer had stopped at a local church's emergency food pantry. The volunteers had packed up boxes, cans, fresh fruits, and vegetables, completely filling his car. When she saw what he had done, she was overwhelmed. She couldn't believe it. And then she said she felt guilty. She actually told the officer to bring it all back. Despite her need, she said, I don't deserve this. I committed a crime. He wouldn't hear of it, though. Brought the groceries in and gave her one last bit of good news. He said she could throw away the citation. He had talked with the folks at Walmart, and they had agreed to void it. She didn't think she deserved it, but she got these good things anyways. See, when you harm someone... And instead of something bad, you get something good. That's grace. Grace is an undeserved benefit. If you've been hurt, you may feel entitled to get back at them. But we gave that way of life up a long time ago when we decided to follow Jesus. We don't punish. We leave that up to God. Our job is not to judge or cancel people we disagree with. Instead, we gently correct one another and bear each other's burdens, helping wherever we can so that others might experience the grace of God. I invite you today not to sow in the flesh, but to sow in the spirit as we forgive and show grace for the good of all. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.